So, I'm going to pick up from where I, I left off uh, last week. I'm, I'm talking about equality and difference. I'm really excited. because uh, I know I'm on the trail of something, and I'm studying it, and I'm getting excited in my own life, and, and hopefully I'll share that excitement with you. And then there could be more to come. I'm, uh, I think I am preaching in the evening meetings next week and the week after, so I'm going to be carrying on. Um, so I'll get you somewhere, hopefully with a degree of sort of... Uh, a good place to pause in the message, but then I'll be ca- ca- taken up over the next two weeks on, in Sunday evenings. Um, so last week we looked at actually the, the, the reality that, that we're all part of a body, that we've all got a part to play, that we all have a God-given destiny, and yet we are all different, and different is good. So we're all equal, but we're different. And understanding your uniqueness is really important for you to play the part that God's got for you. Your destiny is, 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 is already uh, ordained. God designed you and he says he's given you work to do. They're set out in advance for you. And last week I just thought a slightly controversial statement that, that prophecy doesn't create your destiny, but it does help to confirm it. And I just wanted to say that prophecy is, is a really important part of what we do, but God has ordained everything. And... The reason I'm saying that is I find some people are kind of they're waiting around for a prophecy to, to define their life. Uh, and the, uh, pro- prophecies don't define your life. God has already defined your life. But prophecies are really helpful in helping you discover and unfold. They come to strengthen, encourage, and comfort you. Yeah, and, and so on your en route. But I find people who are who have sort of got their, whole, their life on pause because they're waiting for the prophecy, it doesn't work very well. Does that, does that make sense? We're meant to get on with life um, and meant to be faithful. So, so just to make that clear. Um, but as I was just thinking about this, and it was actually during the worship there, I just thought those last two songs almost, for me, almost define how you go about Christianity, which is nothing can take away my hallelujah. If, if anything can take away your praise, if you allow things to, to remove your worship from your life, then, then you've gone wrong. Because why do we worship? Because he is God. It's as simple as that. He, he is God. He's always worthy of worship. So learning to worship no matter what is one of the greatest strengths you'll ever have in your Christianity. If, if, if your worship is dependent upon your circumstances, then effectively you've made your circumstances greater than God. And so you, you effectively worship your circumstances or serve them. No. Because that's what, what it means. Worship is service. So, so if, if in that sense you become a slave to your circumstances, if it can rob you, if somehow if that can rob you of the, the, the desire to worship, then, then there's cause to question. Okay, so, and I, I think it's a beautiful song. I just think it's an amazing song. And I, you can feel, the, you can just feel God on it. And the declaration, nothing's going to away. I just love it. Yeah, you know what? Ooh, nothing's going to take away my hallelujah. It's, it's, it's one of those facts. It's a, yeah, it's a strength. I'm, yeah, nothing's going to take away my hallelujah. Why? Because he's worthy and I don't care what you throw at me. Does that make sense? And then the other one is uh, may we never lose our wonder. <clears throat> and that's the other thing. The key to, to walking in your destiny is, is nothing can take away your hallelujah and continuing to be in wonder and awe of who God is. Yeah, um, because once you stop that wonder, you settle. And if God is infinite and eternal, not if, because He's infinite and eternal, there is always more to discover. 
And if we, if, we, if we lose that wonder, then actually we will replace him with something else that we wonder about, that, that becomes our fascination, so to speak, that we give our devotion to. And again, it's another thing of worship. If, if your fascination with God has diminished and something else is taking its place, then something else has become your object of worship. So, um, and it's, it's interesting, just, how do you keep that wonder alive? Well, the Holy Spirit wants to lead you into all truth. He wants to reveal things to you. So walking in the power of the Holy Spirit with his revelation in our lives is, is, is a continual delight. Um, and even, even as we were worshiping, I just felt God just put... Uh, well, he reminded me of something that I've said throughout many, many years. I'm glad you know, God showed me this when I was a, a, just a young Christian, that God's destiny is not a tightrope. Okay, it's not a tightrope that you walk on. He doesn't, he doesn't lead you on a tightrope. He leads you in pastures, which is where you walk, yeah? And I think sometimes people worry about, am I on, this, am I on the will of God? They say, whoa, I think you need a balancing pole. And careful, I might fall off of the will of God. Um, let me tell you this. If you're still following Jesus, you can't fall off the will of God. It's as simple as that. He will lead you. So what's, what's, what's the job? Follow. That's, it's as simple as that. If, if, if he will lead you in pastures, he'll make you lie down. It's, it's as simple as that. And I want to say, if you want to fulfill your God-given destiny, the number one tip I can give you is keep following Jesus. And I've said this before. One, one, the tips, if you're following Jesus, usually he's in front of you. That's, that's the key. And sometimes he'll, he'll lead you somewhere. You think, I don't know, don't know where we're going. That's part of it. If you need to subject your followership to your full understanding, then you'll struggle because you allow your understanding to become God. Does that make sense? So is that sense. Jesus is confusing sometimes. He is. He says things that don't make sense in a, just a human level. <coughs> so so that, that's part of the fun. But <coughs> anyway, so that's, that's some of the thoughts that just come out of being in the meeting this morning, which is kind of cool. I, um, I want to take you to, to back into Exodus um, and uh, look at something. It's Exodus chapter 18. Remember that, that we're looking at Exodus as a sort of a, a training manual that, that uh, God, uh, of God's pattern of how he was training the people who were slaves as they came out of Egypt to learn how to live in freedom. Okay, so we're using this, and, and uh, I keep on going back to it. I love it. Um, and uh, I mentioned this last week. That this is this is a story when uh, Moses' father-in-law Jethro comes to see him. So we're going to go. I'm going to read it. So the next day, Moses took his seat to serve as judge for the people, and they stood around him from morning till evening. Now, when I, what, I want you to just think. You think what model of leadership has Moses had up until this moment in time? with the people of Israel. What, what's his style of leadership at this moment, up to this point in time? I say it, you do it, basically. Easily, and, and good job do He did a good job of leading them out of Egypt. And a good job leading them across the Red Sea, a good job of getting them places. And, you know, there are times when it, it, they just have, he say, this is it. 
You can do what I say because God's told me to do this and I'm leading you. Now that is a style of leadership that's okay in what I call war or crisis moment. There are styles of leadership now. Winston Churchill was a great wartime leader, not such a good peacetime leader. The President of the United States rules basically... I don't know what, how you describe it at the moment, but basically democratically. <laughs> but in times of war, he becomes the commander-in-chief of their army, where he, he actually rules as a commander-in-chief of an army. So, so there are different styles of leadership. And Moses is, is, is still using his same sort of style of leadership, so he's got to learn a new one. Because um, when his father-in-law saw all that Moses was doing for the people, he said, what is this you are doing for the people? Why do you alone sit as judge while all these people stand around you from morning till evening? Moses answered him, because the people come to seek, come to me to seek God's will. Okay, so there's a little tip there. Who should we seek for God's will? God, yes. I don't want you coming to me to seek God's will. It'd be kind of a big job. Not really interested. Who have you got inside you who will lead you into all truth? Holy Spirit, yes? So, so he, he, he's better at it. He's, better, he's much better at that job than I am. Now, I don't mind you getting some advice off me, but if I set myself up as I'm going to do this for everyone, we would be a very small church. Yeah, there's a certain number of people that I could sort of help on this way. And, and in fact, what happened was, even when I started leading the church, actually I didn't do this, fortunately, um, because at that stage I was a full-time GP with a young family, and I was asked to lead the church. I said, yeah, as long as I... You don't expect me to do everything because I won't and I can't. As long as we do this all together, then we can grow together. Now, that, that's, that's a key issue. As long as we're in this together, we can grow together because you have as much access to the Holy Spirit as anybody else. He's in you as much as he's in me. So, so Moses um, uh, said, right, well, this, is, this is the way it goes. Whenever they have a dispute, it is brought to me. This is not a great model of leadership, and I'm... And I decide between the parties and inform them of God's decrees and instructions. Moses' father-in-law replied, I love this, what you are doing is not good. You and these people who come to you will only wear yourselves out. The work is too heavy for you. You cannot handle it alone. Listen now to me and I will give you some advice and may God be with you. Now, this is, you must be the people's representative before God and bring their disputes to him. So what, what you're saying there, now, again, this is, remember this is Old Testament, so I don't, I'm not pulling this across as a style of leadership into the New Testament. What he's saying is basically, you can go to God for them rather than deal with them all. Teach them his decrees and instructions and show them the way they are to live and how they are to behave. But select, now this is important, capable men from all the people. Uh, men who fear God, now we broaden this out, not men... Just men, men and women, because there is no male and female now in the New Testament, okay? (laughs) Men and women who fear God, trustworthy, who hate dishonest gain, and appoint them as officials over thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. Have them serve as judges for the people at all times, but have them bring every difficult case to you. The simple cases they can decide themselves. That will make your load lighter, because they will share it with you. If you do this, and God so commands... You will be able to stand the strain and all these people will go home satisfied. That seems like a better system, doesn't it? Okay. Moses listened to his father-in-law and did everything he said. He chose capable. Now, keep on looking. Capable. Capable is really important. Okay. People who are capable. Capable men from all Israel and made them leaders of the people. Officials over thousands, hundreds, fifties and tens. They served as judges for the people at all times. The difficult cases they brought to Moses, but the simple ones they decided themselves. 
Then Moses sent his father-in-law on his way, and Jethro returned to his country. And this is a question I asked at the end of last Sunday morning, is, is who's more important? The ones who can carry the ten, the fifty, the hundreds, or the thousands? I want to say they're equally important. Now, it's often easy for us to think, ah, the one who can do the thousands, they're the most important. And it's not true. Because Moses is, is already said, no, Moses is supposed to be, without all of this working, see, you just got the ones with thousands, then it's not going to work either. And if you just have the ones with tens, it's probably not going to work. It's, it's actually, it's, it, everybody's got a part to play. And, um, but there are different capacities. And this is one of the things I want to talk to, to you about, is equality does not mean difference in capacity. Yeah? What are you, what are you capable of? That, that, that's, this is really important. And actual fact, if your capacity is this, do this extremely faithfully. Because it might be the thing that you're really gifted for is that sort of thing with small people. Now, it might be that that capacity will grow into that, but not necessarily. And some people have a capacity with crowds and they don't have a very good capacity with small. So what I'm trying to do is, 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 is get us away from necessarily a, a, a slightly hierarchical thinking that the more is better, and then actually to graduate to that, you have to go through this. Now, often that's true because you, you, you know, if you're faithful with the little, you will be given more. That's true. So, so God is very, very able to increase your capacity um, through your faithfulness. Um, but everybody's needed. Now, what I want to just say is I would suggest that... The, Broadly speaking, the church in, church in the UK, a few, but churches within the UK are not used to the concept of needing thousands, people who can lead thousands. We're not. I think that needs to change over the next decade. Okay, I think that needs to change over the next decade. And I think one, one of the challenges for that is, is the thinking of all of us in the congregation because we like it familiar we do yeah now we've broken the back of some of that by actually going to two morning meetings well done everybody Um, because actually you've got to the place where actually there'll be people who are part of Eastgate who who you hardly ever see now is that true? yeah is that good or is that bad? It's actually good. <laughs> it's, it's good because what? It, we're breaking through some capacity issues. The annex is we're breaking through capacities. We're, we're trying to do things. Now, we're we going to need more capacity in buildings over the next few years. We're already facing the challenge that the 11.30 meeting is, is getting full. This one's not empty, is it? Double the size of this meeting, we go, yikes. <clears throat> so we've got, we got challenges going on, so actually thinking around that. So actually, and what I'm, I'm fascinated by is actually God is bringing capable people into Eastgate, people with capacity and capabilities, actually, who are used to handling some really big numbers and deals within their work spaces i'm finding it fascinating god is giving people to us who are capable of that some of that that stuff and we need that but we also need people who will do the 10 which is where the connect groups are really important yeah because actually you need connection 
Yeah, do you understand? That, 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 that need for, to, to know and be known is really important, which is why we need, so that's why engage with the connection groups is really important. But as we engage with the connection groups, you've got this bigger stuff going on, and you think, wow, wow, because we're part of God's plan. Everyone's part, playing a part in God's plan, destiny for planet Earth. And he's got a big plan, which is to, to bring all things together in heaven and on Earth. You know, the church, of, the church of Christ at the moment on earth is probably something like 2 billion people. So that's, that's not bad. That still leaves 5 billion. Not, I think. How many thousands of people will we hope to reach in the next decade? Alpha course, up and running, well done. We, we need alpha that's, you know, capable or whatever forms of... of, of what we call reaping that, that is capable of tens, fifties, hundreds and thousands. Yes? No, you're not looking very excited about that. I, 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 I'm just, I know it's a challenge, but you see, how many people would you like to see thousands of people born again? Yes! Okay, well, the next question, where are we going to put them? It's a, it's a, these are serious challenges, otherwise we... Now, we were talking about it even on this week, saying, well, the choice uh, it was on... Um, Friday, meeting with some folks, just especially, said, so, well, you know, you get to point, you either say, right, we close the doors, sh- shut the shop, hey, we're happy with, with who we are, or we, we, we face these challenges of growth and expansion. So, and within that, deal that, I think the challenge of equality and difference is one we've got to crack. Because when you get into these big structures, what we don't want is, is, is a building of hierarchy, but you do need building of structure. Does that make sense to you? So, 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 so I believe hierarchy is, 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 is basically frames around um, the feeling of being more important than somebody else. Yeah? Superior. So there's a superior and inferior. Yeah? Well, one of the, if you've got a system which has superiority and inferiority, within it, then if people have got ambitions, which they should have, of godly ambitions, then the only, only way they've got of actually fulfilling that is actually by trying to climb the, the ladder of superiority. Yeah? That makes sense to you? That sense, so if, how, many, how many of you got big dreams? Great. Okay. Superb. Now, if we've got a hierarchical system, in order to fulfill that, you'll have to climb the, the ladder of superiority. And if you've got superiority in it, then actually superiority requires inferiority. <laughs> it simply does. We're not creating that. I want to create a place of equality, which I believe we are doing, which requires freedom to be all that you're called to be, and a rejoicing of everybody over other people's destiny and progress. Without comparison. Without comparison. It's not, I'm better than you because I'm a thousander. Woohoo, woohoo, look at my, look at my department. I'm woohoo. Look at the budget we managed to do. Hey, we're amazing. I believe, what's, so what does equality look like? This, I just think that. Do you know, so I'm just going to go through this. Every one of us has equal value in God's eyes. Jesus paid the same price for every human being on planet Earth. 
How much does God love you as an individual? The same much as he loves the person sitting next to you. So we are equal in value. We're equal in love. We're equal in position because we're seated in heavenly places with him. That's your position. Your position in Christ is seated with heavenly places with him. From that place, you work out your specific calling and destiny. But your calling and your destiny is not your position. Okay, you got that? This becomes really important when you, when you, how you view authority. I'll just throw this one out there. Because if you believe that, that, you, that, if you believe your position is found in what you do rather than who you are, then the way you try and exercise authority will probably be what I call positional rather than relational. And I'm going to come back to that. Okay? So that, that's, that's really quite important. Equally loved by God, there's neither Jew nor Greek, male nor female, slave nor free, slave or free. And I believe everyone has an equal opportunity to fulfill their God-given destiny. Now, that's the job of creating a, a free environment, is to enable everybody the same opportunity to fulfill their own God-given destiny. But, you know, there's only one person who can fulfill your destiny. And who's that? You. <laughs> I can't do it. Will you do it? I don't know. The job of leadership is to create great soil within which good things can grow. Whatever God has given you that's good, the job of, of, of leadership is to create the soil within which that can grow. Um, so I wonder, now have a look at, let's have a look at um, Romans chapter 12. Starting at verse 3, it says, For the grace, by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just, just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. Okay, so it's very similar to 1 Corinthians 12. And it goes on to say this. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. So, so you've got gifts given to you according to grace, which means that's not because you've earned it, because God has chosen to give to you. Now, so when you're born again, basically that grace has started to be released in your life. Your God-given destiny is actually given to you before you're even born again. That's why you can prophesy over unbelievers about their God-given destiny. You're just lining them up with what has been destined before the foundation of the world. Okay? So, 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 but once you're born again, then you, the grace starts to be released in your life to fulfill your dis- destiny. And it will be different to other people. Now, so it says, if your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Now, if you have a quick look through that list, how many of those do you think you're expected to do? It's not difficult. Okay. Okay. How many of you do you think should be able to prophesy? 
Okay? How many of you should be serving? <laughs> How many of you should be able to teach that's given account? How many of you can explain your... Yeah, everyone's good. How about encouraging? Martin's on it, aren't you? <laughs> How about giving? <laughs> Get any idea. You think, what about leading? No. <laughs> this is quite, yeah, whoa. Just, yes, who do you, who's, who's, who's the most important person you will ever lead? Yourself. Self-leadership. Then as you're good at leading yourself, then we all get to lead other people. And I'm, I'm going to come on to what that means because I'm just trying to redefine leadership a bit for you, okay? If it's a show mercy, do it cheerfully. Now, what I want to say is that, yes, there's a commonality, but also, actually, there's a specificity with these gifts. Because some people are given these gifts in a measure that enables all the, uh, those, those gifts to be catalyzed in an environment. That's, a prophet will catalyze prophecy in an environment. Yeah? The gift of leadership should catalyze leadership in the environment, not do all the leading. That's what that pin Jethro is about. The gift of generosity is not so that that's the person that we depend upon for the next building fund. But somebody who stimulates the whole environment. I would suggest to you Joel Sims is a good example of that. <laughs> Serving. Somebody who serves. And I was thinking, you know, we've got such an amazing group of people who serve. It's impossible to pick, you know, best out. But I think if I had to choose... Just one as, as an example, so it's not as a superior, but I thought, you know, Sharon Cheeseman. She's amazing. There you are at the back there. I didn't even know you were in the room, so embarrassing you. I was looking around to see, I was looking around to see that you weren't here, but you are. I've suddenly spotted you, but it's embarrassing. Thank you. I bet very few of you see what she does. But every one of you benefits from what she does. The chair you are sitting on has been prayed over so many times by Sharon, I don't know how. She experiences more of the glory of God in this building than anybody else I know. Do you know why? She gets to hoover up the sparkly stuff. <laughs> she does. It's easy. We could do an auction for the vacuum bags, I think. It's be a way of funding the bill. But seriously, you know... Extraordinary. I love people who just serve and serve and serve because they're an inspiration to me. They're not there to do it all. They're there to catalyze. And leaders. I believe people, there are specific gifts for leaders. I, and I say this, in reality, I think I'm able to do what I do because God gifted me to it. Yeah? It's not because I'm better, superior, or anything like that. I remember, I remember years ago I was working with another church and they basically wanted to send my qualifications for helping them. And I had been delegated the task within the context of New Frontiers. And, you know, you know so I, I, said, I said, well, yeah, I know somebody's asked me to do that. That, that, that doesn't make me feel confident, you know, just because I've been given it. And um, I said, the reason I believe I can help you is I believe God's given me the gift to enable me to do it. And they said to me, that is such a relief. They said, thank you for that answer. We're fed up with people 
being told they can come along because they believe they've got a position or authority. Been given the job in a hierarchical way, therefore I'll do it. I don't believe in positional authority working in God's kingdom. I really don't. See, I think leadership, one way you should define leadership is really influence. This is why, how many of you influence other people? You should do. You influence, you lead people through influence. So, here's a, here's a question. So, how much influence do I have in your life? Well, the answer is, however much you choose to give me. I can't demand it. I can stand here, I can preach, but how much you allow that to influence you is completely in your control. How you respond to leadership that is relational is completely based on trust. Jesus never demanded that people follow him because of his position. He chose, he asked them to choose to trust him. See, I believe in a culture of freedom, in an environment of freedom, the only currency you have is trust. How much do people trust you? How much influence do they let you have in their lives? And that, that's one where actually it's, it says in, in this book, have a, a sober judgment of yourself. Because one of the problems that you face that we face that's a challenge and it's very clearly outlined in the Bible is the problem of selfish ambition and jealousy and it it talks about it very clearly in James chapter 3 that it's it's a human wisdom that comes from the devil and we can all be subject to it and um, recently I've been been talking quite a lot with the, uh, the students in day school about this and some of you will remember the story of when I was in Mexico and in the morning I had this amazing miracle of you know, this quadriplegic lad being healed and walking as I put his feet to the door and he feet on the floor and he walked out the door. And then in the afternoon and the evening, the frustration I had when a, a, literally a baby died in front of me and I couldn't do anything. And I thought, and what I, and I just want to let you know, what I, I realised had entered into me between the morning and the afternoon was selfish ambition. I can talk to you more about it sometimes. It's really important to understand. Selfish ambition will come knocking on your door most commonly when you've had some degree of success. When it opens up the door of opportunity. And we have to be ruthless with that. Because what I want to do in the next uh, two Sunday evenings, not tonight, but next week and the week after, is start to look at the things that will jeopardize your destiny. And I'm just going to read a passage out just to give you a thing. Because what I say, when I say every one of us has an equal opportunity to fulfill our destiny, but the devil is determined to try and stop you doing that. And your, your, your destiny is an opportunity, not an inevitability. Okay, so in Galatians chapter... I think it's Galatians. Galatians chapter 5. I don't know if we got it up here. Yeah, here we go. 
Look at this. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy. Okay, selfish ambition are in those grievous sins. Drunkenness, orgies, and you think, whoa, hold on a minute, orgies? And the like. I'm not quite sure what the like are. This is it. Now, listen, this is Paul saying, I warn you as I did before. This is a warning, and I'm just, I'm not, this is, I want to throw this out there because I'm going to explore this over the next couple of weeks. I warn you as I did before that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, that doesn't mean so they won't be saved. It means you can be saved, but don't inherit. Or you don't make use of the inheritance that you've got. Yeah? How much inheritance do you have ready for you? The whole of the inheritance. Every spiritual blessing in Christ, it says, is yours. That is available. But there are things that will mean you will not access it and you will not live it out. And that I want to explore with you over the next couple of weeks. Because that's something I take seriously. Yeah, in my life and the life of the church. So it's not, I'm not trying to dumb down. The opportunity is phenomenal. The culture we created is made. But we have to face up to the reality. So I want to ask, we're going to deal with that. And I'm going to try and deal with the questions of why God doesn't answer your prayers. Would you like some answers to that one as well? Because there's a lot of answers in the Bible to that piece. Oh, but I prayed. Yes, maybe you did. So that'll be for next week and the week after. Let's pray. Happy days, eh? You're looking really happy. You're looking really happy now. I got you, I got you, I got you, I got you very excited. <laughs> I'd like you to stand with me. I want you to determine that nothing will take away your hallelujah. Nothing can take away. Nothing will, I will allow nothing to take away my hallelujah. Because God, you are worthy of all glory, honor and praise. And you will be every day and forevermore. And worship is, is also our dedication of our whole beings to him. It's, it's, this, it's the presentation of ourselves as living sacrifices to the living God. Father, we thank you that you are good beyond all measure and great above all things. And Father, we pray that we would never lose our wonder. And Father, we pray for the wisdom of heaven to be released into our lives so that we can follow you and fulfill the destiny that you've placed in front of us individually and corporately. Amen.